talking today in Joshua chapter 6. Um, the title is, What is Your Jericho? What is your Jericho? That's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, how many of you have obviously heard the story of uh, the walls of Jericho? Okay, pretty much everybody here. That was a huge story when you were little. You know, I was thinking... When I was younger, I heard this story a lot, but I don't think I really uh, grasped the magnitude of it. You know, I think when you're little, sometimes when you hear this story, you just picture like a fence, you know. Your mind doesn't go to the extremity of what it was. But, you know, I I was just thinking, like, I don't think I ever really grasped the, the miraculous thing that happened there. You know, I think that I was always picturing just, you know, there was this wall and they, they couldn't get over it. So God just knocked down the wall. But when you do research and you realize the actual magnitude and how big that wall is, the wall of Jericho is said to stand about 12 to 15 feet high. Um, and then there was like a section right there, but there was another wall that went above that that was made of mud bricks. And they say that was about six feet thick and stood another 20 to 26 feet high. So combined, it was a a fortification of about 32 to 41 feet tall. Now, when you think about that, that kind of brings it into a different perspective. To, to have something that we can understand, that picture um, is about the size, similar to a four-story tall building. That's pretty tall. If you were to go to a four-story tall building and to see it completely barricaded with bricks, and it was in a circle, and you were told that you were going to be able to go inside that, you would be looking and thinking really? I don't see how, I, I don't have a rope, I can't climb, I can't, no, I'm not Spider-Man, um, superheroes, but, um, you know, how am I going to be able to do this? We have to understand, though, that this is kind of what the Israelites saw. The Israelites, to them, this seemed impossible. They're like, I don't understand how this is going to work. You're telling us this, but how in the world is this going to work? Sometimes we have the same thing that happens for us. That there's these four-story tall buildings right in front of us, and we don't see any way to the other side of it. Now we got to dig into the Word and find out what's going on here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 6. I love the Old Testament. When I was younger, I was like, eh, I don't want to know. I got older, and I started appreciating everything that the Old Testament brought to light in the New Testament. Joshua chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 right now. Uh, It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. That really stood out to me first off. I just want to point out something. When you're a child of God, sometimes you make the world nervous. Sometimes you make the world nervous. When you're a child of God, you are a threat to the enemy. It was shut up because the children of Israel, they're like, we don't want anything to do with that. I love that. None went out, none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. I love how these verses open up because you see that he gave something to them. He gave something to them. When he was talking to Joshua, he said, I give this into your hand. He didn't say you have to work extremely hard for this. You have to do all. He said, I give this into your hand. I want you to know that God has given each and every single person in here a Jericho today. 
There is Jericho's in your life that God is saying, I am giving this to you. I am putting this in your hand. I think so often, though, people, they neglect it. They reject it. They're like, I just don't see how I can overcome these things. I don't see how I can knock down these walls. I don't see how I can do it. God's not telling us that we have to fully understand everything. He's saying it doesn't matter what stands in your way. You know, he made it clear right here because I'm sure that they were thinking, they're like, well, there's a king inside. What? Okay. We get past that. There's a king. And then there's mighty men of valor. We don't, what, what God? And God's like, look, I've given this into your hand. It doesn't matter what stands in your way. I'm giving you Jericho. I'm giving this to you. It doesn't matter about the king. It doesn't matter about the mighty men of valor. It doesn't matter about the four-story tall building that stands in front of it. I've given this to you. He's given each and every single one of us the same thing. The first thing that he did for Joshua, and this is point number one, is he gave him a purpose. We need to start living with a purpose. Joshua realized right away that God was giving him and all his men a purpose. He's saying, this is what I have for you. This is what I'm about to give to you. This is what I'm going to do for you. You have a purpose in your life. It's time that the church stops living without a purpose. Here's what happens when you start living without a purpose. It creates complacency. Complacency is the state where you're okay with where you're at. Even if it's not that good, you're comfortable and you don't really care to go any further. You're fine with the status that you're in. That word was strong upon my heart as I was seeking, Lord, what do you want me to speak? See, I spoke some of this message in youth one time. No idea where the message was at. I finally found it, and the word complacency was strong on my heart, and I started reading through it, and complacency, it hit me, and I was like, yes, I got I to gotta speak about this. Complacency is the enemy. The enemy loves it. You want to see something that Satan loves? He loves a complacent church. He doesn't have to worry. It's okay with him if you come and worship Jesus on Sunday. He's okay with that as long as you're sitting in the pew, as long as you're sitting in a chair. It's all right with him. He likes complacent people. If you want to see why a lot of churches are struggling these days and why they're not filling up and why there's a lot of empty seats, it's because they're full of people that are complacent and they're okay with not getting anything else. They're full of people who have stopped living with a purpose. They're full of people who don't see the Jericho in front of them. They're okay with how things are. Even if it's not that great, they're comfortable with it. As I was preparing, settling, that's what it is, it's settling. As I was preparing, the Lord laid this on my heart, and complacency leads to complaining. A lot of times when you become complacent, and you're, you know, it's fine, complacent, I'm, you know, it's whatever. But what happens is, is you're not really satisfied. You've told yourself that you are. You've put yourself in a position where you start to think that you are, but you're not really satisfied. So what you do is, in your complacency, you start complaining. And then complaining leads to bitterness, and then bitterness leads to hypocrisy, and then we wonder why people want nothing to do with our Jesus. Complacency is a gateway to sin. When you become complacent in your walk with the Lord, when you settle for mediocrity, when you settle for uh, things just being okay, that's exactly the reflection that your life is going to show. 
Because when things start to come in, because you don't have a desire to break through into something more, because you don't have a desire to go further, it's a result that sin will start to enter in. And because you don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and because you don't feel empowered to go any further, you just kind of let these things sink into your life. You become complacent in all areas. It's a gateway for sin to start entering in. Complacency, the enemy loves it. Loves it. He loves the people that are, that are satisfied. You know, there's, a, there's a, a bunch of rebels out there in the church that are like, man, let's, let's do this. There's freedom in Christ. Let's do this. But sometimes there's a wall standing in front of them, a complacent people that say, well, we're, we're religious. The religious spirit in the churches has to go. It's a spirit of complacency. Because you're satisfied with how things are, you would rather get into a religious rut and do the same thing over and over and over and never experience something more. But I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people in the church that say, I want something more. I desire something more. Get out of my way. Amen. Complacency is a result of never tasting something better. Complacency is a result of never tasting something better. Have you ever tasted a food that's kind of nasty? It's like settling for that. Every day you wake up and you eat the same food and you're like, it's not very good, but you're whatever. It's food. I'll just keep eating it. But man, what about when you actually taste something that's really good? Maybe a juicy steak, a greasy cheeseburger. That's not healthy. But when you actually dig your teeth into something that tastes so much better, you can't go back to that bland food. You're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. Look, that's the same thing when you're talking about the body of Christ is when you experience something greater, when you get your eyes onto something greater, when you actually get to experience Jesus in a different way, you don't want that same complacent state that you were in before. Complacency is a result of never getting to taste something a little better. There's a difference between, between being content and complacent. It's not even in my message, but I feel I need to share that with you. There's a difference between being content and complacent. Content means that whatever state that you're in, you know that God's still there and you can still move, but you're not satisfied. You know there's something more and you got to keep pushing through for it. You know, God's, God's telling us as a church that if we're living in a state of complacency, he's saying you're better than that. You're better than that. I've got so much greater things for you. I've got a lot better things in store for you. If you're sitting in a state of complacency, it's time to break free from it because you are better than that. And if you don't think that you are, you need to realize that if you claim to have Jesus inside of you, he's better than that. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to move on. We got to get out of this state of comfort and complacency, and we got to break free from it. We got to start living with a purpose. When you go back to these first three verses in Joshua chapter 6, and he says, see, I have given you. Joshua realized right away that I have a purpose. He's got something for me. Stop acting like Christianity is just some boring lifestyle where God just wants to see us suffer all the time. We may go through some suffering, but God's blessings are in the midst of it. 
we got to start realizing that God has a purpose for us. God has given you a Jericho. But you have to realize that you have to start living with a purpose. That's where it starts. Hmm. God has called us to be conquerors, not wanderers. God has called us to be conquerors, not wanderers. When you read through the Old Testament and you see the Israelites, he called them to be conquerors. He said, I have given you this land. There's a promised land for you. I've given it to you. But instead, they wandered 40 years. 40 years in the desert that they wandered. They became complacent. You saw some bitterness there. You saw some hypocrisy there. You saw a lot of things take place there because they got into this complacent state. But God said, I've called you to be a conqueror, not a wanderer. You may have to go through the desert. You may have to go through the wilderness, but you don't have to stay there. He's called us to be conquerors. He's called us to take over the land that he's given to us. He's put it into our hands. He's just asking us to walk. Being a conqueror doesn't mean that you don't have any problems in life, though. Let's just face it. Everybody sitting in here, I'd venture to say that there's some kind of junk in your life. Could be problems with family. Could be sickness. It could be different things like that. We all go through junk Being a conqueror doesn't mean that you won't go through situations, but being a conqueror means that you have a purpose in the midst of your trials. You have a purpose in the midst of your pain. What is your Jericho? You cannot be complacent. You must realize that there was a purpose for your life, and you have to start marching. You have to start marching. Leads us to our second point. You got to march like you own it. Thank you for the water, Vicky. You got to march like you own it. I think when God spoke this to Joshua, I mean, it's hard to tell what Joshua was thinking, but when God was saying this and as he's describing this and he's saying, I just want you to walk around the city six times. Once each day for the first six days. And I I believe when Joshua was receiving this, I mean, he's already seen God's hand at work before. But when you hear this kind of stuff, you're like, I trust you, God, but this doesn't really make a bit of sense. Do it anyway. But when God tells you to march, when he said, I've given you something, when you know that God has a purpose for you and he tells you to go, by all means, you got to march like you own it. Joshua 6, verses 4 through 7. It says, And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets that shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let the seven priests bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. You see, we may not understand exactly what God's doing in the midst of things. We may not understand exactly why he's having us do certain things. But when he says to do it, we march. 
When he says to do it, we march. We may be going around something over and over and over, but when we know that there's something inside of that, that God says, I've placed this in your hand, you don't just sit back and look at it. You walk until God does something. We got to pray through it. We got to pray through it. You know, I don't know. Sometimes we don't see the, the little tiny details in these stories because we know that it says, you know, a little farther on that when they were walking, it says you don't even say a word the first six days. Not even a peep comes out of your mouth. You stay quiet. But I believe when they went back to their camps, they were probably desperately seeking God. They were probably in prayer saying, God, we don't really understand what's about to happen here, but we trust you. What, what are you going to do here, Lord? We need you to move on our behalf. You got to pray through it. When God gives you something, you don't just sit there. You got to pray through it. In the midst of your marching, you got to be trusting God and praying through it. There's a book called The Circle Maker. Some of you may have read it. It's a book on prayer. Uh, the author, he's a pastor in, I believe, Washington, D.C. His name is Mark Batterson. And uh, it's one of those books where you're kind of like, I mean, some of the stories, you're like, okay, is this real life? Is this. Is this real? I haven't seen God do that for me. I got to tell you, this book really, I need to read it. I need to read it again because this book really, man, it just messes with you. But when you see the heart of Mark Batterson, when you see these stories, and it's all stuff that you can research, and it's, there's, the proof is right there that God has miraculously moved numerous times for him in the midst of planning a church. When you see these type of things and you're like, this doesn't make any sense Sometimes it doesn't, but when God's hand's in it, he comes through. And in the midst of this book, The Circle Maker, Mark Batterson, he gives some stories, but it's really the concept of the wall of Jericho. That when God has given you something, you circle it. He, uh, he knew that there was this piece of property, I believe it was a crack house in Washington, D.C., that, that he knew that God was going to give to them. He knew that that was going to be in their possession he didn't know how. It didn't make any sense to him. But he would actually go on that property, and I believe he would actually walk around it seven times each time. And he would be praying over it. He would be praying, God, move here, move here. And I believe how that story ended up was that the bid that they put in was actually less than somebody else's, and it was given to them. Think about that for a second. In Washington, D.C., a building, we're talking about money here, in Washington, D.C., and his bid was lower than somebody else's, and he still got the property. Amen. When God gives you something, you have to pray through it. Amen. And then you got to praise through it. Amen. It doesn't just stop with praying through it. You have to praise through it. Can you imagine what would have happened if, uh, if Joshua and his men would have been marching around the city of Jericho, and they get about five, maybe even six days into it, and they're like, what are we doing? We're marching around the city walls. For what reason? Can you imagine if they would have done that? If they would have gotten five days into it, and they're like, I'm kind of tired of this. Let's just be done. Nothing's happening. We haven't seen anything happen. We can't even talk to each other. I had a really funny story to tell Dan, and I couldn't even open my mouth. I just had to march. Can you imagine if they'd have gotten five or six days into it and just been like, uh, forget it. We're done. 
See, when we think about that, we're like, that'd be absolutely crazy. You're right, it would, because they would have been missing out on the blessing that God had for them. But the sad thing is, is I think that a lot of Christians, because of the state of complacency that they get into, they do the same thing. That they know that God has something for them. They know that there's something up ahead. And they march for a little bit, but because they didn't see anything happen for a while, they stop before their blessing comes. They stop before they actually get to inherit what God had for them. Mm. What is your Jericho? Your Jericho could be a number of different things. For you kids, it could be your school. It could be something that God wants to do in your school. It could be something that God's planted in your heart to do in your school. It could be your family. It could be sickness. It could be forgiveness in your heart that you haven't offered up to somebody yet. It could be a hardness of your heart where you've literally built up a wall around your heart. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances. It could be your job. It could be a prophecy that God's given to you and the enemies came and snatched it. It could be a dream that God's planted in your heart and he says, I have this for you. I have this purpose for you. But you're looking at it and you're like, I don't have any idea how that's ever going to happen, God. It may be some desires that are in your heart and you're like, this is crazy. And a lot of people probably think the same thing. So you are really hesitant to ever act on it. Your Jericho could be a number of different things, but I want everybody in here to know that God has given you a Jericho. You need to grasp that today. You need to understand that today, that God has a purpose for you. And if you've been living your life with Christ without a purpose, then you're not living a life with Christ. You've got to start realizing that God has Jerichos for you. He's given stuff into your hands. You may not get it right away. But you have to start living with the purpose of knowing that there's something up ahead. You have to start marching like you own it. You have to start looking at these Jerichos in your life, and you have to start saying, I'm not going to settle. I'm going to move forward, even if I don't see a result right away. I think some get to the end. When you read through these verses and it says, at the end... It says that all the people shall shout with a great shout. See, I think that they could have gotten all the way up to the end. And if they would have missed that one part, I think that part was crucial. Because they were silent, right? And then you get up to the end, and now he's saying, now I want all the people to shout. I think that some people get to the end, and what God has for them is right there. What God has for them is right there, but all of a sudden they start looking at the obstacle instead of looking at God. They start looking at how big the wall is, and they forget how powerful their God is. And they forget to shout. They forget to shout. They get to the very end, and they forget to praise through it. 
See, sometimes we march and sometimes we go through all this muck in our life and we know that there's something up ahead. We know there's a purpose for us and we march and we march and we march, but we start playing the martyr. We always feel like the victim. We always feel like the world's coming against us. We don't see how this is going to break through. We don't see how these walls are going to come down. But the key here at the end of this story is you got to shout and you got to praise through it. That when you start looking at the obstacles that are in front of you, you got to say that, man, that might be big, but my God is bigger. He's called me to be a conqueror. And when I know that I have Christ in my life, I'm more than a conqueror. And I know that this enemy might be trying to come against me, but my God is powerful. My God is a healer. My God can deliver me from any circumstance in my life. And it doesn't matter how tall it looks to me, it's not as big as my God. When you get to the end, when you feel like giving up, when you marched around this thing seven times, don't forget to start shouting praises to your God. Don't forget to start shouting praises for the journey that you had to take to get there because I'll tell you what, he's got something in store for you. Our third point. Watch God work. See, what happens is, number one, we realize we have a purpose. You start walking in that purpose. Number two, when you know that you have a purpose, sometimes you might not even know what it is. You might not even see it right away, but you know that God has a purpose for you, so you start marching like you own it because you know that your God is with you. And then when you get to the end and you're praying through it and then you begin to praise through it, you can sit back and watch God do the work. I love the end of this story because that's what happens. They have a purpose. They trust God through it. They march like they own it. And at the end, they watch God do the work. Joshua 6, and we're going to go up to verse 16 here, uh, through verse 16. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city. And let him who is armed... Advanced before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. But the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests and blew the trumpets. And the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shout. So we had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did this six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. 
What is your Jericho? What is it that you know that God has in store for you? What is it that you know that there's a wall built up around it and you're not quite sure how it's going to happen? What is it that you know these walls need to come down? Because I'm telling you that when you start living with a purpose and you start marching like you own it, no matter what situation you're going through, and when you pray through it and when you praise through it, that the walls will come tumbling down. That's something to to praise about. (laughs) People constantly try to make God's miracles logical. You ever seen people do that? They start talking about the creation, you know, how God created everything in six days, right? And they're like, they start trying to make it logical. Well, maybe it happened this way. And how he parted the the Red Sea, well, maybe it happened this way. And how the walls came down. They always try to make some kind of scientific and logical thing. Look, if you're looking for a logical answer, you're describing man, not God. God miraculously broke down things that were in front of his people time and time again. You see it all throughout the Bible that when a, when a, a body of water stood in the way, he parted it. It was miraculous. In his creation, it was miraculous. Do we understand how God did everything in six days? No, but he did. He's God. He parted the sea. He promised them a city, and he said, I'm giving this into your hand. Here is your purpose. March like you own it, and then sit back and watch me work. Because miraculously, this four-story tall building that's in front of you, that's hindering you from getting to your blessing, that thing that I've got in store for you, don't worry, because my hand is upon it, and I will take care of it. Stop trying to make God's miraculous hand look logical. It's not logical. Expect the unexpected. Expect miraculous things to happen in your life. Stop putting God in a box and thinking that he doesn't move for us like he moved in. He moves the same way today that he moved yesterday, and he'll move tomorrow. The same God that knocked down those walls in Joshua chapter 6 can knock down the walls that are in your life. Here's a fact about this story is that God could have knocked down those walls with or without them. He could have knocked down the walls with or without them. Whatever walls are in your life, he can knock them down with or without you. But God is looking for people to step outside their comfort zone. God is looking for people to step up and march. God is looking for people to trust in him and to walk in faith. That's all they did was they trusted in him and they walked in faith. And then they got to see God do the work. They walked with a purpose. They marched like they own it. They trusted God until the end. And they watched him do it. Jake, if you guys want to come back up and play, I believe that there's people here that God has given you a Jericho. God has placed something in your heart. You know there's some areas maybe in your life where God needs to break through in this for you. Like I said, your Jericho could be a number of different things. It might not be a city. It might be a hardness of heart that's grown over your heart. It could be a battle in the midst of your family. It could be sickness. It could be marriage. It could be relationships with friends. It could be a number of different things. Or it could be a city where God says, I want you there. This is what I have for you. 
It could be a dream. It could be a prophecy. It could be a number of different things. Your Jericho could be a number of different things, but I believe there's some people in here who have lost sight of the purpose that they have. They stop marching, and you're now in a state of complacency. Today is the day to break free from that. Today is the day where you're going to come up here. In just a moment, I'm going to have uh, Dan... Jen, some of our pastors, we're going to come up here. We're going to pray with you that these walls that you have let stand in your way of what God has for you, that you're going to come up here and you're going to break free from that today. And the ultimate wall in our lives, if there's anybody sitting in here, the ultimate wall in our lives is sin. And the only way to receive remission for your sins is through Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate miracle that God ever performed was that he made a way for us when there seemed to be no way. And if you're sitting in here today and you've never given your life to Christ, today is the day that you're going to come up front and you need to knock down that wall. You don't want to go another moment without giving your life to Christ. It's the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. The most important decision that you could ever make in your life is following Jesus Christ. And if there's people sitting in here and you're in a state of complacency and you have not been acting and moving with God, if you have not been living with a purpose for God, today is the day to break free from that spirit of complacency, to knock down those walls and to start living with a purpose. There was freedom in the name of the Lord. There was healing in the name of the Lord. There was miraculous things that take place in the name of the Lord. And whatever it is that God has in store for you, you don't want to lose sight of that. You may be going through a trial right now, but God is on the other side waiting for you. Today is the day where you're going to break free from these things. So as we begin to close, what we're going to do is I'm going to have you guys come up here. We're going to pray with some people. I'm going to go ahead and release you guys. If you don't feel led to stay in here, by all means, you can go out in the foyer and talk. But please don't talk in here. We want to leave this as an atmosphere of worship. If you want to stay in your seats and just praise God, that's fine. But if you know there's some walls that need to come down, I want you to come up front today and we're going to pray with you.